Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Unscrewed, the show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I am your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and welcome to another Spare Parts episode of Unscrewed, where we bring you a little of this, a little of that, and get you in and out in 15 minutes or less. We have a really great listener and advice question coming up, as well as some feedback on our fantastic last episode with Rebecca Traster, talking about single women in America. But the thing I have to talk about first, I know I'm like the 27th thousand person to do this but y'all I just I have to talk about Prince I grew up with Prince I was in junior high school when Prince burst onto the radio in my reckoning it was let's go crazy which was mind-blowing to me both musically and also just the idea of it I mean obviously I understood by seventh grade that the world didn't make any sense, but Prince introduced to me the radical idea that I could dance about it. His lyrics, the, the sexual content of his music meant so much to me in ways that I don't think I ever articulated to myself until when he died. He sang about women's desire and desiring women in a way that never made me feel dirty or shameful, no matter how filthy the actual lyrics were. There's been a lot of great writing about Prince's filthiest songs about women and sex. But I've been thinking a lot about this song, I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man, which is really about a woman who's just been through a horrible heartbreak. And he asks her to dance. And she says, you know, maybe you could be my new man. And he basically says, I respect that you what you need for me right now is is something other than sex and I don't have that to offer. It was actually really quite radical again in ways that I'd never fully contemplated until the last couple of weeks. Prince was queerness, right? He was weirdness and otherness and as a kid growing up weird and queer, Prince was a sign that I was okay, that I was real, that I could actually be fabulous. Prince taught me that queerness and sex and revolution and outsiderness could be a shameless, joyous source of life. And on all of my best days in my life, they have been. Oh, man, he is so missed. Nothing compares to you, Prince. I hope you're having an amazing dance party wherever you are. All right, there's no non-awkward way to transition out of that conversation, so I'm just going to do it. have heard from a lot of listeners from our Sex and the Single Ladies episode with Rebecca Tracer talking about single women in America. 
I'm glad you guys have been responding to the show as much as I did. It was so great and she's so smart. And listener Jessica Bolin, who tweeted J Bogo Blue, was inspired by that conversation to recently tweet me a link to a classic piece of criticism about Sex and the City written by Emily Nussbaum really defending the legacy of that series as groundbreaking when it comes to how we think about women and sex and how we depict them on TV. Little did Jessica know that Rebecca had actually name-checked Emily Nussbaum and sang her praises in terms of her writings about Sex in the City when I recorded that interview with her, and that clip just never made the final edit of the show. So... It's really worth a read, and we've linked to it in the show notes. Emily Nussbaum's classic essay in The New Yorker called Difficult Women. This was published in The New Yorker in 2013 about why sex in the city mattered. Last but most certainly not least, we have a really interesting advice question from a listener. And for help with it, I called up Ida Mandalay, the sex educator, clinician, and activist who regular listeners will recognize from our Don't Burn It to the Ground episode. Ida got on the phone with me to help out a listener named India who wrote this. Currently, I'm in a three-year relationship with my boyfriend, and recently we had a conversation about opening up our relationship. The first time we talked about it, I proposed the idea, but after a lot of conversation, I realized I don't want to open up our relationship for sex. I wanted to open it so I can have close bonds with people that may or may not involve sex, but sex wasn't the priority. I decided not to because I want to focus on getting closer with my boyfriend instead of seeking that in other people. That conversation was months ago. A couple of weeks ago, after my boyfriend saying that he wishes he could have more sex since weeks go by without us having it, I had thoughts that maybe I never think about sex because I'm somewhere on the spectrum of asexuality. I told my boyfriend this, and while he understood I was beginning to explore asexuality, he didn't want that to mean that we were going to have less sex than we already do. A couple of days ago, he said he wanted to open the relationship so he can, quote, satisfy his sexual needs, but still wanted to be with me mentally and emotionally. I was really thrown off by that because I felt as if there are ways that we can work on making sex more fun rather than him going out and finding other sex partners. But at the same time, if he wants to try and open our relationship to explore that other side of him, is it selfish for me to say no? If I realized that I didn't want an open relationship because I wanted to change the dynamic with my boyfriend, is it bad of me to want him to do the same for me? It's been hard for me to navigate my feelings about this while also considering my boyfriends. Oh, India, we are here for you. Ida, what, what, what are your first thoughts when you hear this question? I feel like there's a few things going on here. So three things. One, possible asexuality on the part of India questions about having an open relationship, and then the issue of differing uh, sexual interests or mismatched sex drive. So those are three separate but related issues. So is it okay if I go sort of one by one? Go, yeah. Awesome. Firstly, it's, you know, it's possible that this person who's calling in or writing in is asexual, and that can be a scary process to question your identity. So I would say, you know, what support systems do you have to help you with these questions? Are there any friends, relatives, you know, strangers on the internet that you can talk to like us um, that can help you with that? Well, and can you recommend resources for checking out the ace community or demisexuality or any of that stuff that if she doesn't know who to talk to about it, like where, where should she be going? 
Yes. So AVEN, the Asexual Visibility and Education Network, is one of the sort of premier resources for asexuality resources. Um, so that would be a really great spot to start the search for sure. So she's got to get some support around that. I get the impulse for like, I want to take care of my own feelings and consider my boyfriends at the same time. But I do feel like you have to get clear with yourself first. You know, it may take some time and you're going to need some patience from your boyfriend. I I always think about the oxygen mask metaphor. Mm -hmm. You know, like, obviously, I'm not the first person to observe this. But when you're on a plane, they say, like, you have to put your oxygen mask on first in in the event of a lack of cabin pressure before you help someone who needs help. Because if you don't put yours on first, you're not breathing. So you're not going to be a help to anybody else. So before you weigh your boyfriend's feelings, I think you have to get maybe a little clearer about your own. I would agree with that because labels can be helpful, but they can also be distracting or really confusing. So if the whole asexuality conversation and the identity conversation is a little bit too much, thinking about sex in terms of how does this fit into the rest of your life priorities? Where does sex fit in? And what does that look like for you versus your partner? Maybe for you, sex is just not a super priority, even if you are a sexual person. And one of the things the the reader mentioned is, is this selfish to not want to open up the relationship? Mm -hmm. And I think it's not selfish to have boundaries and have your own areas of discomfort. I would say that it is selfish to say an immediate no without considering what that would mean for you, what your interest is, and also your partner's. Because in a relationship, it's a dialogue. You, you know, We try to understand our partner's perspectives and come to some decision that is not unilateral. Um, if at the end of that process, though, if after figuring your feelings and taking theirs into account, you're still not interested in an open relationship, you have every right to not be in an open relationship. Right. And your partner then has to make a decision of what does that mean for them? Does that mean that they're interested in exploring that anyway and thus a breakup would need to happen? Or does that mean that there's something else that has to happen in the relationship? You know, the brilliant activist Rebecca Kling, when she was I was working with her on my last book, gave me or came up with this metaphor uh, that I've used ever since for situations like this, which is about deciding about compromise in a relationship, you know, and when it's good and when it's it's not healthy. And, and she said, you know, there, there's two different kinds of compromise. Ideally, a compromise in a relationship is when you're reaching toward each other and you're sort of forming a bridge over whatever the gap is between you. But if a bridge, if a structure is compromised, right, like you wouldn't want to go over that bridge, right? So the question is, can you compromise with your partner in a way that feels like you're creating strength between you? Or does it feel like you're compromising yourself to do something? And, you know, you're the only person who can decide that ultimately. But I think that framework I find really helpful. And to add to that, the idea of sacrifice versus what like quote unquote true contribution. So is this something that you're willing to explore just to satisfy your partner and you're going to actually resent them throughout the process? Or is this something that you feel you can generously give and generously compromise on? There needs to be an honest dialogue about this relationship specifically and what unmet needs are happening in this relationship. Because opening up is not a perfect process and it can often be messy. And so the stronger your foundation, the better set up you are to possibly open up. Obviously, we don't live in an ideal world. So it's not like you have to be ah, the perfect person to open up a relationship. But how strong is your current relationship? The needs that you have here won't necessarily be met 
by outsiders. And the way that I like to think about it is having different sex buckets. <laughs> and this is not true. This is not true for everyone. This is true for me and for a lot of people that I know. Um, there can be generalized sexual desire and person specific sexual desire. So if you have desire for sex in general, having it with anyone could potentially fill that need. If you want to have sex specifically with one partner, having sex with a hundred other people is not going to meet that need. So what are the needs that you're talking about in this relationship? Is your partner trying to just get sex in general because that's a need that they have? Or are they upset that they can't have sex with you and thus are trying to find another person to fill the void that sort of that is leaving? And those are two those are two different buckets. There's there's so. definitely like a fifty percent chance that I'm going to call this episode sex buckets now. <laughs> Perfect. Um <laughs> So just, you know, making sure you know what your goals are if you want to open it up and what you're trying to address. And also opening up a relationship is kind of like having a baby in the sense that sometimes people do it as a way to sort of end run around actual issues that they need to resolve. And like mm-hmm. neither one is going to actually solve your relationship if, if there are existing problems. They may, in fact, exacerbate them. Like you want to have a strong relationship going into a complex situation like that. Exactly. So again, we we circle back to the idea of clarity. Questions that maybe ask yourself and your partner, what would be your ideal sex life right now? What are the things that scare you about your current situation? What scares you or makes you nervous about possibly opening up? I would also say like you could try it for a time limited situation too. You could say, let's give the open relationship thing a try with these X very clear parameters for a month and then have another serious conversation and see how that feels, right? Exactly. And I support that. And and for me, my bias is against compulsory monogamy, meaning that if you're monogamous, I want you to be actively choosing that instead of just falling into the cultural default of monogamy because it's expected. That said, if open relationships or if a particular type of non-monogamy doesn't work for you, that's okay. It's not like non-monogamy is more evolved necessarily. I would also say just look at how other people build their relationships. So for me personally and professionally, it's really important to look at not testimonials, but just people's narratives because we have very scripted ideas of what non-monogamy should even look like from the media um, and that's not all that there is. There's so many ways to build non-monogamous and open relationships that reading more about what those could look like may be helpful in giving you an idea of things that you like, things that are not calling to you, things that you definitely want to stay away from. Can you recommend resources for that? Yeah, there's a Tumblr actually called Poly Role Models. Um, and that's specific to polyamory, not just non-monogamy broadly, but that can be a starting point. Uh, because it interviews people who identify as polyamorous, which is a, a flavor of non-monogamy, and it talks about what things were challenging, what are their biggest mess-ups, what are the things that they would advise other people. Um, and so it's a lot of personal narrative with advice as well. And so that can be really helpful, even just for people who are monogamous, because there are a lot of things that overlap in terms of healthy relationship building. Um, so that would be a, a, re- a resource I would recommend. Oh, absolutely. And I think what what that means really is being intentional about our needs and boundaries and about the communication involved and all the skills that we would need to bring to an open relationship. I think we should be bringing to all of our relationships. Um, so yeah, whatever you decide to choose, there's a lot to learn from, from that community. Agreed. 
India, I hope that helps. Good luck navigating your relationship waters. I hope it works out for both you and your boyfriend. And thanks again to Ida Mandalay for helping us out. If you have an advice question that you want me and a future guest to help answer, just send it to me at unscrewed at JacquelineFriedman.com. That's J-A-C-L-Y-N-F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N.com. Love getting those advice questions. You can also tweet at me at JacquelineF. Use the hashtag unscrewed and participate in the conversation. You can find this show wherever fine podcasts are available. If you like this show and you want to help other people find it, give us some stars and some reviews on iTunes. That is how you bump us up in the algorithm. The show is produced by the fantastic creative director of The Establishment, Katie Tandy, and edited by yours truly. Our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna, and the in-and-out music that you are hearing right now is by The Pink Tiles. Until next week, I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.